square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is your host, Steve Fielder. Really happy to be coming to you once again. This podcast will air on Monday, March the 6th. I'm recording it on February 27th, one week before. And this past weekend was an uh, especially uh, interesting and rewarding weekend for me as I sat at home and watched my friends out there having a great time in this great sport of coon hunting. Um, a local friend here, Gordy Schroeder, uh, was able to capture a PKC cast win over the weekend with his Grand Night Champion plot dog. And you know I have a special place in my heart for the plots. So congratulations to Gordy, who picked up some money in the Don Mullins memorial hunt that they hold down here at Citra, Florida each year at this time. Uh, The other thing that was real significant for me is my partner, Mark Miller, who he and I partner on the plot dog, Bear Pen Fever. But Mark uh, had a Turing Walker stud dog named Hardwood Dreamer. And uh, Dreamer was a, a, a Grand Knight champion uh, an HTX uh, uh, designated coonhound, a very popular dog. Uh, he has uh, passed on, but uh, just this weekend at Southeastern Tree and Walker Days, Mark's Hardwood Dreamer was inducted into the Southeastern Tree and Walker Hall of Fame. So I want to be sure and send congratulations out to my friend and buddy and partner, Mark Miller. And then the big news this weekend, and man, they kept me up late watching this thing unfold, but the pro sport organization held a truck hunt in Claremore, Oklahoma. And my good friend Randy Smith with Lone Pine Kennels uh, and his new partner, uh, John Strickland, uh, had just a, a terrific weekend as the Lone Pine Lady female not only made it into the Final Four, but actually won the whole enchilada, turning a couple of coons on the cast. It was televised by um, Josh Michaelis with the Joy Organization, and uh, it was just a, a great time and a great time for me, especially to see my friend doing so well. And as a special treat to you, the listener, I have uh, Randy Smith on the program with me today, fresh off this big win. So, uh, Randy, just how does that feel to you? Uh, it was a great. It was, it was really good. Uh, she has been operating for John just like a machine, and and he had a really good feeling about it, and. Uh, you know, we just kind of followed close back and forth the whole time that he was down there. I knew that after the, you know, the, there's so many things that can go right, or there's so many things that can go wrong. And, uh, she just ended up on the right end of everything this weekend there. She, she treated a couple coons to, I think one other dogs, one on each cast that she was on. I think that's how it went pretty much. Uh, but you know how how things could go. Her first round there, John ended up squalling two coons out of dens to score for her, which <laughs> you know if you get that, one huh? of those, oh my, yeah, it, 
And to hear that character tell it, you know, it really is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought about getting John on this podcast this morning with you, but I knew you probably wouldn't get a word in edgewise, you know. We fight for that whenever we talk, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. John Strickland's a guy that I've known for a long time. I immediately liked him when I first met him. It was back in my PKC days. He was hunting a blue dog back then it wasn't country it was way Mm -hmm. before big country's time and uh, here's this guy from down around savannah georgia and i enjoyed talking to him at the hunts and then with his uh, relationship with jeff rickless uh, you know, with the bad habit dog and all those years and all down through. I've just always enjoyed John's friendship and appreciate him when he'll stop by the booth at one of the major events where I am. And here lately, he's been with his partner, Ashley Oxendine, and, uh, and always great to see those guys. I wanted to ask you, Randy, um, you know, you made a decision a while back. Well, let's go back and just lay a little bit of groundwork on this uh this uh, phenomenal uh, winner that you have here, Lady. Let's tell Lady's story real quick. Um, Go back as far as you want to go and let people know about this little dog. Yeah, well, her her mother was baby, like about my all-time favorite. You know, she was uh, the true Cadillac coon dog, and that was the the first cross that I – made with her was with, uh, at the time, Kevin Cable owned him little money there. And the reason we chose him is because we had drawn him several times. And, you know, in Thin Coon, he's, he was really, really tough to beat, you know, as wide a hunting dog as you could handle. And, uh, you know, he had the goods every time he got planted. And uh, we just, we just picked him because he was for real and he had an, you know, an outstanding, um, pedigree and his mother is a great reproducer his father and so on and so forth so that's why we picked him and uh it was it's been golden for us yeah for sure and uh you know i always i know i've kind of beat this horse to death uh Seems like I get on the story sometimes, and I don't want to let it go. But I'll never forget that windy night you and I were sitting in your your Can Am. I call it Coon Hunter's Cadillac there, and uh, on a windy hill, and yeah. you flipped a lady in there, and wow, man! I mean, we sat there and watched her on the drive track, and I was really impressed with the way she hunted, considering. For any dog, really, but considering she was only eight months old at the time. Yeah, she. I could reliably go and treat coons with her at five months old. Uh, you know, it, just depending on conditions and everything, of course. But she would she would hunt out and get after a coon and have it when she treed almost every time from five months old. The first that I knew, I knew that she was uh, a different kind of animal i you know have a pest control business here and there's always animals here and i set a set a cage cone out in the driveway here and she was running loose like all my pups do before i start them and she was probably three months old and she just as soon as she come around to turn there and and seen that cone she was just locked on that cage just like you know she'd been fooled with (laughs) 10 times you know she i knew i had to 
keep her. She was just crazy about it, you know, and yeah. she was re- really easy to start. And uh, once I had her going really good, and I think we made her a night champion. I'm not sure about that, but Austin Ewing, I he was looking to hunt a dog, and so I, uh, you know, gave interest to Austin. His his dad and his uncle hunted with me as we were growing up, and I was really thrilled to see the boy was wanting interest in coon hunting. So he took Lady up for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half or something like that, did a lot of winning with her. And uh, we had her in, I don't know how many pro sport hunts or whatever, and John had drawn her, I think he told me, six times. And I think she I think he said she beat him like five out of six or I, I, it, I might be wrong about the numbers, but that's close. And, and, uh, John was wild about her, you know? So the, what, how it lined up with John was John was talking to Greg Maynard. I think Greg was looking for a dog and, uh, John told him if I was looking to buy one, it would be her. So Greg called me and I, I wasn't interested in selling lady period. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so then John called me and well, I think he actually messaged me or something. And he, the text was how much for the bitch, you know, just like that, <laughs> you know? And so John, we ended up talking and I just told John, I'm not interested in selling her, but you're more than welcome to, you know, be partners with her. And you can take her and you just do your thing, you know. So uh, last fall at the PKC World Hunt, we took her out and John took her home. And uh, he's been, you know, just constantly after her as far as making sure she was in top physical condition and condition to go and everything. And they're they're like one now and, you know, he's Mm -hmm. ready to go with her. And it was just all the stars lined up and that was it. Prayers were answered. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, truck, you, know? you know, I know that's probably been a goal of yours to win a truck with your hounds, these long sure. hounds and you are, are, you know, intertwined. You don't think of one without the other. And to see her attaining at that level and, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but you live in a part of the country where you're not really in the mainstream of competition hunting there in western Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, your handlers have done a remarkably good job with your dogs. But uh, to get them on the major stage uh, like this pro sport uh, truck hunt, is it to me was a very wise move on your part because that gets the dogs out there where they really can do what they were bred to do. Yeah, sure. It's it's been it was the the I'll I'll say this that um, when John called me and we made the deal and everything, it was uh, the most flattering conversation that I'd ever had is from beginning until now as far as somebody talking to me about that dog you know Mm. he he remembered every tree that she made everything that happened he said everything you know there were there were ways that there was no way she was going to win that cast and she just would pull it out you know over and over again and so 
you know, it was just, it was really uh, a true blessing to have him want to be involved mm. with her, you know. And yeah. uh, Well, I would agree on that part for sure. And if I can can be so bold, it's, it's my show and my opinion. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> but I've known John for many years and I know that his, uh, partner and friend Judas Bowling called him the goat, the greatest mm-hmm. of all time. I don't know if that's true or not, but I will say that I think that John Strickland is the greatest competition hunting mind in the sport today. Undoubtedly. I, Undoubtedly. You know, he knows the sport inside and out, uh, and it hasn't been an armchair experience for him he amazes me you know john is not a big man in stature and he's out there i watched the uh the um, joy presentation of the final cast of the truck hunt finally got around to watching it last night and these guys are younger than john many of them they're also longer legged, <laughs> but John is one tough customer, and he knows. He he just knows. Let's leave it at that. He, he, I'm he knows, and you cannot change the heart in a person or an animal. Heart has sometimes way more to do than stature, you know. And he's got the heart. He he's got the heart of a lion, you know. He's. He's ready to roll. Absolutely. Well, it was great. And uh, I will say, lady, uh, you know, looked good. She she got out there, really hunted uh, wide. I think the last tree they walked to her was over a mile. Maybe you'd remember Mm -hmm. uh, how far. But... uh, Anyway, it, it was a great win with some great dogs. Some of the top handlers in the game, you sure. know, were out yep. there. Uh, you know, you got, um, uh, you know, uh, Dustin Weed on that cast. You've got Lane Denny on that cast. Uh, Lane, uh, you know, of course, won the uh, uh, UKC World Hunt, and I don't know what all. You but, sure? Uh, yeah, and then the this this young guy, this phenom that's coming up. Uh, uh, the Costco kid. Uh, yeah, John said. John said he's really sharp, a really nice yeah, kid. Yeah, you know? and yeah, uh, it was all good. Yeah, isn't so, isn't it great to see so much on the line, and those guys are just striking their dogs and they're training the dogs, that's and right. there's not one. Not, Scotty and Greg are doing a fantastic job as far as high level competition. There is. Nothing that's going to be done there that they're going to put up with, you know. Right. And uh, the guys know that, and they're sportsmen, and there's no, you know, whenever they are calling the cast out, they say the deadline is midnight, but if you're running a little late, just give us a call and let us know. I mean, it's all reasonable, and it's it's professional. You know, it's the best. Yep. Common sense. I saw years and years ago, this was a story that came to me for the years before I was at UKC. Black and Tan Days, Florida, Illinois, there's a train track you had to go over to get back in at some point Mm -hmm. to the fairgrounds. Right. A train came by and stopped on the the tracks. Mm 
<laughs> the got cast were lining up on the highway mm-hmm. trying to get back by the deadline and them saying, no, if you don't get back by the deadline, mm-hmm. your card's no good. Now, how it, on earth could these guys help that? Yep, exactly. You know, total, so some, total, that's, yeah. that, that stuff to me is just like totally ridiculous. You know, I mean, right. you, you, you have to use common sense, you know, it's right. like. You can't be just that rigid like that. I mean, everybody is out there doing everything they can, including guides, including the people putting the hunt on. The the hunters have traveled. They've left their families. I mean, everything. So, you know, why would you not accommodate people? I I liked uh, when I went to PKC to see that they had what what they call the common sense rule that – you sure. know, not all situations are going to be covered in that rule book, and you have to sometimes call on common sense. But, uh, yep. well, listen, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about now, Lady's not the only winner in that litter that she came no. out of. You've got no. the, uh, the, the bank dog. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's done really well. He was a, he was a, a wild man from the get go, and, uh, Frank Giddings had him up there for a month and we went after, after I got him started here and, uh, he's never looked back since, you know, he's, he's a, he's just, he was a natural go yonder sitting there under a coon type of dog. And he's been there since. And on the, out at the hunt, John called me and said, we got a place for bank down here. So banks, Already headed down into the Oh, into okay. So, there you heard it yeah. first on the Gone to the Dogs podcast. <laughs> Folks, I didn't know that myself. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yep. So well, hopefully he's going to get some more exposure. He's been he's been really good to us. He's a platinum champion and got in the final four of his first super stakes. And uh, uh, he's been, I think he's about a three or four time world finalist now. And they're just coming four years old here or whatever so well that was what i I was going to ask you i was thinking that they were getting pretty close to four yeah i can't tell you for sure what the birth date is but they're they're close yeah yep well you know the amazing thing to me was i know that john uh strickland again uh, had a a big winning female at the time that you and him acquired uh you know uh, agreed to partner, and so he's yes. he still, I believe, has the page female, doesn't he? Yeah, he's waiting on her to come in heat now. Oh, so the, the plan was is to, you know, have have lady ready for that hunt and so forth, and she's going to go uh, here, not this weekend coming up, but next weekend to one in Alabama, I believe. Well, you know, that's a bad problem to have, isn't it? Just to have all these good dogs that you're <laughs> – but it uh, that doesn't come easy in that little or at little expense. <laughs> I'm no, sure. that's right. I'm yeah, sure. But, you know, John. He John. He's already just talked to me this morning. He says, "Come and get this truck." You know, he's a, <laughs> it's it couldn't really be any better. You know, they're yeah. great people, and I'm, I'm I feel really privileged to be involved. You know, I knew it was I knew it had possibilities to be you know a great thing, and it's 
panning out. So Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, I've always, I heard this many years ago, and I've used it kind of as a rule of thumb of judging uh, a person, uh, uh, their character or whatever, the old thing. Uh, ask yourself, would you like to get in the truck and ride 500 miles with the guy? And uh, <laughs> I, I can imagine, man, what the stories would roll on that 500-mile oh, ride with John Strickland. That would be that would be he, awesome. He remembers every tree from the beginning. <laughs> I he know. Does every, every situation. It's yep. amazing. I was raised by a guy like that. He wasn't a competition hunter, but my dad was that way about his hunts. He had amazing recall of every uh-huh. situation that happened on a hunt. With me, <laughs> I was just kind of out there, you know, drifting along, blowing along with the breeze. Uh-huh. But, man, he knew every every rock, every tree they went by and which side of the tree the moss was growing on. <laughs> oh, that, that's a special person. You yeah. know, that, that's when you know that it's uh, what you live for, you know. Sure, sure. Yep. Well, and we might as well, while we're talking about things like that, you've got a female there and a pretty sharp handler in your oldest boy, Troy, and his birth of female. Yeah, she's doing, she's, she's, uh, she's an up and coming rock star. She's, uh, (laughs) really, I call her the warrior princess. She's, she's really tough. She's, she's never gives up. She's a wide hunter. Uh, she can trail a coon up or fall under one and she's, uh, got big, big things headed her way. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for anyway. Well, yep. you know, Randy, I'm thankful to you, and and it's you know our our friendship has developed now over these last few years to where you know I feel like family when I'm around you and I, and and your family and and I've been fortunate to hunt with several of these really nice dogs that you have, and you know I my goal in this podcast is not to be the spokesperson for Lone Pine Kennels, but I. I have really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to come up and to hunt with dogs like Lady and Bank and and Bertha and and Fran and Shot and and I, I don't know. Well, of course, the cruise dog that I got from you, and now we've got this Frogger baby uh, that we're uh, that we're working with, and <laughs> she is a wild child. I mean, she yeah. gets in the dark and doesn't care. Uh, what's going on around her and all. That brings up, uh, as we're talking here, and we've been at it 21 minutes already, and we thought we'd do about 30, so I'm, I want to be mm-hmm. brief. But uh, you have uh, made some crosses to the uh, Davis's Rosedale Frogger Dog. Tell me about yes. that a little bit. Well, my buddy Eric Pyatt had had him for, you know, most of his competition career and Eric's really picky and he knows what a coon dog is and what they're supposed to do. And, and he's real good at bringing it out of them. And so, uh, you know, I've always had him on my mind. I like his pedigrees alone, pine bread dog, but he's, he's, a outstanding individual himself. And then once they started using him in the breeding pen, well, which they, only were artificial breeding. So the first couple females I bred were bred artificial. And um, he seems to be a dominant reproducer in mouth and 
style and things of that nature. And uh, he's really opened up a lot of eyes. And he's, he's, I'll tell you, I thought here, you know, like after the bone collector type of thing and him being a top stud dog, that it seemed like the days of some, you know, a dog having a path beat to his door were probably over because, right. you know, you can super stakes a litter on any dog now. And so that's, a, that was a factor. And it just seemed like people were using more of local dogs and not traveling and everything like that. Well, it, this seems to, you know, the, the, I think the best females in the country are going to Frogger right now. Yeah. And, He's breeding three or four a week. Uh, Birchall is as great a fella to deal with as you could possibly get. So I bred bred Jill first. Then I bred Shot to Frogger, Artificial. And uh, then Sue came in heat. And Sue's 11 years old. And so I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not giving up on her. You know, she's been... She's had reproductive issues from the first time I ever bred her. I only got one pup out of her and uh, bone, and it's been, you know, right. a roller coaster roller coaster ride with her. So I called Birchall, and I, he they started breeding Frogger live, and I said, "Would you breed her as long as she stands? Because that's my only hope, you know, that this old gal could maybe give us another pup or two. Well, he took her out there and did, and wouldn't you know it, she she caught, and she has three live pups. She had one born dead, and then a week after she had the pups, Amy called me and said, Sue's not acting right. Well, she's, she's, Sue's never had a day in, or a moment in her life that she didn't act right. She's a just a beast of a female. And <laughs> so I just dropped everything and ran out and got her, and I said, I got to get her somewhere. I could just see in her eyes that she... Well, she had a pup stuck in her for a week. Wow. Mm. So they pulled the pup out, and she was so weak that she wouldn't jump in a truck. And she don't just jump in a truck. She jumps through the back of the dog box whenever you put her (laughs) in a truck. So I took her back to Amy, and we got her laid down and got the— Got the pups back on her, and I, I just said, I don't, I don't know, Amy. We, well, the vet, they got her antibiotics, and I have always have a case or two of that A and D. It's like an emergency dog food, you know, like we feed it to dogs between rounds on competition hunts and stuff. And mm-hmm. I went out to the truck and got a few cans of that. And she ate three cans just out of my hand, just like that. And I said, Well, if she's yeah. eating. Right. She, Amy called me two hours later and said she had her outside. She couldn't hardly hold on to her. And <laughs> she looks, I just brought her home, but we're weaning the pups today. And uh, she she looks like she's four. Yeah. She looks like she's four years old. Oh, man, what yep. a beautiful female. She is a big female. Yep. And I had, again, we were talking about, or I, I mentioned getting to hunt with some of these uh, terrific uh, hounds of yours that I happened to be on a on a cast the night before she won the uh, the 2016 UKC World Championship and uh, yep. looked really good doing it too. So yep, I, again yeah. against all odds, Rick's first co- first big level competition <laughs> hunt against the best guys in the business on the final four. Yeah. You know the best guys, the best dogs. You know she won by a quarter, but it may as well have been. 
five hundred. You know, that's, <laughs> that's it, it's inch yep. as good as a mile in this game. That's yeah, sure. that's right, that's right. Oh yep. man! So, so we, we've got three pups, and Birchell's going to take one, and I'm keeping one, of course. Or three males, and I've had so much inquiries about the 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 mail that's we're going to sell and we've decided we're going to do a raffle uh, here once we decide, you know, like, you know, who's keeping which one and everything like that. And we get, you know, good pictures once they get a little bit of size to them here. And that's the way we're going to do it so that everybody yeah. that wants a chance can get one. Well, there, that's, that's certainly fair enough. And that'll be coming up. We'll talk about it here. And I imagine it'll be, Posted on social media and Facebook and so forth. So, uh, guys, uh, an opportunity to uh, get a pup out of Frogger. Everybody wants one, seems like, these days. And a UKC world champion female. Uh, man, that's, that's got to be <laughs> that's got to be exciting. I know that those, uh, those spots are going to go really fast. So, watch for them. <laughs> well, Randy, uh, what's the plans coming up? I mean, you got any, any big hunts coming up? You're gonna yeah, we're the the first hunt I think that we're gonna go to of, of the large scale is gonna be the TOC here coming the end of the, oh, yeah. end of the month here. Uh, we've got six six dogs that are gonna be hunting in it. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, we're we're excited about that, and then. We'll just see where the the season takes us, but um, hopefully, this is the beginning of a good year for us. Well, I, I know the breeding uh, situation with ladies is going to be a while down the road. Uh, it seems, if I've been paying attention, that you know you get these really nice. Uh, uh, winning dogs like Baby, uh, like Shot, uh, and 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 Sue, and and so forth. And you you pretty much as long as they're on top of their game, you're out there competing with them, aren't you? Yeah, we've we've put off breeding the females. We used to breed them younger, and it and it works a lot better as far as raising large, healthy litters if the female is younger. But when we have one that can you know, win at a high level like that, well, that's the only ones that we use in the breeding program. We're, we're going to compete with them longer and just maybe get two or three litters out of them. And that's going to be it maybe, you know, but we've shifted a little bit about, you know, what's the priority. And, uh, it's a shame to, you know, breed them young and because it takes a lot out of a female whenever they're bred. They're, you know, when you start using them for breeding, they're never the same as far as right competition goes. You well, know, so. it's probably a hormonal thing for one thing, and that goes both ways. That affects them physically and mentally. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so, well, you certainly – uh, seems like you've fallen upon a good, uh, good formula or a good system with these dogs, and they just keep uh, uh, producing. You've got a female, I think, that Rick's been hunting here uh, lately. The Bella female, that's just a real star too. Yeah, she's a she's a warrior, and uh, she's unbelievably accurate. I mean, whenever she's hooked up, she has a coon. <laughs> You can hear her two miles, and she'll go as far as she needs to. If it if things fall apart, she'll just pack it up and be somewhere where there's a coon living, you know. And she's 
You yeah. voted with her. She's That's deadly off the another one that I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she's she's yeah. a real sweetheart of a dog. My buddy Gordy Drenek put a lot of time into her. And, right. uh, yep, we've got we've got a we've got us a a, a a paddock full of them. So let's well, just, we'll, we'll talk about some of those up and coming stars. There's more that I wanted to talk to you about, but we've used up our thirty minutes, uh, Randy. I did want to say that you know a lot of guys like to look back in the history and they look back to Gene Harrison, I believe, and 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 Duvall and and mm-hmm. Blaine McGill and all these guys and associate that with Lone Pine Dogs, and they were associated with. But it's been you and your partner Tom Strang and and uh, guys that have joined in with you um, that have really brought this. Um, you know, into the next phase or next chapter for these Lone Pine Dogs. And uh, I commend you for that. And uh, I I hope you'll keep breeding them because I enjoy coming and hunting with them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been life's work for me. And it's been, you know, there's ups and downs to to it all. But we've been really on an up level here for a good many years and uh, just working real hard to keep it that way. That's all. Well, once again, I'll congratulate you uh, as my friend and and brother, really, and uh, and uh, and for the amazing uh, win that you and John pulled off this last weekend. We'll be looking for a lot more of them, and I'm hoping that uh, I know that you're going to be doing some video. You want to talk about that a little bit, or is that something that's under wraps? Yeah, Clayton Clayton Stark called me about just uh, doing a his videos that he does on, you know, different coon hunters and dogs and everything. And so he's going to come next month there. And I talked to him about once, once we're done with what footage he wants to do his half hour, you know, YouTube channel type of thing that we're going to do a kind of a more of a promotional and a, and a layout of what we have here uh, for me personally to have, you know, so it'll be, it'll be a YouTube video and and all too and then we'll get to showcase you know maybe go into a little bit more about what they are and where we're headed you know so that that should that should go over really good he does a super job well if you'll have me and promise me to to at least go over by shirley's and see what she's been baking yeah uh, I'll, I'll come up and stand back in the wings a little bit and watch you guys while you're you're uh producing this i'm really looking forward to seeing this because clayton does a great job i think he's uh, the number one guy out there with a light and a camera in the sport today not not to throw shade on anyone else but uh, clayton just does a great job and that should be really a lot of fun and and, we're, we're uh, really excited about it. Sure, we're absolutely. Really well, Randy, yeah. I appreciate you f- uh, for your time today. I know you're a busy man, and I know probably your phone's been ringing and texts coming in and all. With congratulations! But I, yeah, I, was, I just wanted I wanted to say how you know much I appreciate everybody. You know, congrats support that, that I've had and the people buying pups and and all that through the years, it's, it, you know, it couldn't happen without a lot of help. I've had some, so many people help me through the years to get to where we are right now that, uh, you know, it's just really humbling to, to have such good people to, to stand up whenever I'd need a hand or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, 
it's really great. Well, I know that comes back to you too, Randy. Those folks are are happy to be associated with you and proud of what you've been able to accomplish. So, all right, folks, that's Randy Smith with Lone Pine Kennels in Catanning, Pennsylvania, fresh off a big win in the Pro Sports Series. He and his partner, John Strickland, winning a new truck with Lone Pine Lady. Randy, thanks for coming on. We really enjoyed it. Thank you, Steve. Well, we sure enjoyed that conversation with Randy Smith. And uh, now I'm really pleased to bring to the microphone a young man that I met for the first time at the recent Grand American down in Orangeburg, South Carolina. But I feel like I should have known him for a long time because I've known his family. And we're going to talk about that. And uh, I wanted to bring this guy on uh, to the program because... I think he epitomizes the young hunter today and even carries it a step further because uh, he's uh, he's excited about the sport. Uh, he might be embarrassed by me saying he's a very articulate young man, very straightforward, friendly guy that I liked right away when I met him. So I wanted to bring him on the podcast because I think he's going to have a lot of good things to talk about today. So from Charles County, Maryland, uh, Mr. Tom Gilroy. How you doing, Tom? Good. How about yourself, Steve? Oh, man, I am doing great for an old man. <laughs> uh, I used to work with a guy. He said, well, I was able to sit up and take nourishment this morning. So everything's good. <laughs> yes, sir. Every so, blessing. It is. A, every day is a gift uh, for sure. Well, Tom, we talked about this a minute ago in our show prep that uh, you're 21 years old. Yes, sir. Yeah, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, like I said, I'm 21. I live in Maryland, and uh, I do home improvement. I can paint your house. I can drywall it. Anything under the roof, I can do it. And uh, I coon hunt just about every night that I can, weather weather permitting and, and uh, health all that stuff, but uh, I own Yakin River Coon Hound Dogs, and I like them white, and I like them big. <laughs> all right. Well, that's great. Well, you know, uh, Tom, as we mentioned before, I'm, my connection to you was through our mutual friend, Jim Meeks. Yes, sir. And uh, Jimmy, the wild man, Meeks. And, of course, Jim, <laughs> <laughs> he's been on our, on the podcast a few times with me, and I can't get enough of talking to that guy. Nope. It's always so much fun. And uh, we do see each other uh, each year at the Grand American and and usually at Southeastern Tree and Walker Days, which I want to talk to you about in just a minute. But yes, uh, for whatever reason, the last two or three years, I haven't been up to the Southeastern. And I miss it because I went so many years when yeah. I was with UKC and uh, – and all the, it's a great gathering, and it's a great, uh, great time always in February each year. But um, and that's where I first met your dad. Uh, okay. Yeah, and uh, David. Yes, sir. And, and I met your uncle Gordon Gilroy. Yes, sir. And I think when I last spoke with Jimmy Meeks, we talked about the fact that Gordon owned the Yadkin River Crowder dog. Yes, sir. 
Right. And uh, so, you know, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about your background, your family's background with these Walker dogs. Okay. And then to kind of get your perspective on things, because as I said, I've, you know, I'm 76 years old. And as a friend in West Virginia said, you know, I'm standing in the checkout line. I mean, okay. you know, this coon, coon hunting thing is, is you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully it's not an oncoming train. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> but at any rate, but I enjoy uh, speaking to the younger hunters. I really do. And I've been reprimanded a little bit by some of them, but say, well, when you speak about young hunters, uh, you tend to kind of, di- you know, disparage them a little bit. You kind of talk like they don't maybe measure up or don't know what they're doing. And I certainly don't intend to do that whatsoever. But I no, do sir. encounter a lot of young hunters that are really not rooted in the sport very well. They yeah. come into it, you know, by whatever means, a friend of a friend. Uh, uh, they, you know, for whatever reason, they've gotten involved. But they don't seem to know the fundamentals of the game. And it's up to guys like me and you uh, to teach them and to do it in a way that's not condescending, condescending and, uh, you know, in any way uh, meant to sound like I know everything and they don't. But yes, I sir. certainly don't want to do that. But tell me a little bit about your family's history with uh, with the Tree and Walker dogs, if you can share that with us. Yes, sir. So in the early 1980s, my great uncle Gordon and my father, David Gilroy, both went down to Jimmy's. And uh, I believe Gordon had went there before my dad, but my dad was about 14 when he hauled, uh, when they hauled his female, they called her uh, David's Dinah. Mm-hmm. And she was out of Tidewater Shep. And they drove down to Jimmy's and bred that Dinah female to Jimmy's Jeff dog. And everybody has heard of Jeff. Oh, yeah. So, Yep. Yep. So, uh, they bred that and that's where, um, we talked about it before the call started the Crowder dog. Right. That's where the Crowder dog come from. And then, uh, dad and Gordon always went down to Jimmy's and Buster's and, and would go up and hunt with Frank Giddings and stuff like that. They went all over the world Yeah. and, uh, they, they kept it line breeding and, uh, made sure that they weren't just breeding for, people's preferences and and this that and the other they bred for what they wanted to hunt and then uh they bred crowder to a female off of let me see here they bred a excuse me sorry steve no no problem they bred crowder to honey creek babe i'm not sure if that's an older name before my time and they got what they called jackson river jr well, they bred Junior to a female of, of Champ, and that created Jackson River Cruiser. That was my dad's star dog, how Gordon had Crowder, my dad had Cruiser. And mm-hmm. uh, we got a female off Cruiser and a another Yakin River female that goes back to uh, Yakin River Rock and Yakin River Rainy and stuff like that. And... Uh, so we bred that female. We called her Yakin River Gigi. We bred Yakin River Gigi to Yakin River Kurt. 
well, that was Jimmy's dog, and he goes back to Tar Heel Lee and Nitro and, and all them good dogs. And we got a puppy off that, and we called him Champ. Now, beyond popular belief, it is not the same Champ that right. Jimmy owned. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so we just called him that because he was almost a spitting image. I mean, I can't say he was as looking the same as Champ, but he looked m- more like him than a lot of dogs I've seen. Actually. And um, so – just kind of rambling on here no no you're good you're good yes sir i'm trying to get down to what we have today okay absolutely Um, go ahead so with that dog we called champ i had collected him i got into coon hunting for myself i've always hunted since i was six years old and and deer hunted and duck hunted and all that but coon hunting really i started when i was six and kind of took a little break there when i was about (laughs) 13 14 and uh didn't have anything back. to do with girls did it was no it? sir no sir <laughs> I, I, <laughs> i've never done that man I, you know i'm a straight guy but i ain't never chasing the girls <laughs> <laughs> i got you i like chasing dogs steve yeah man so, i hear you i hear you um, okay well um, you grew up in a hunting family of course yes, sir. and, and yes, yeah sir, no doubt and uh no doubt. but uh so go ahead with your story about where where you uh your journey down to this point up to this point yes sir so um i'm it's coming up on four years now i've started hunting for myself and i have a hell of a hunting partner david bailey that joker will go through the toughest roughest stuff you can put him in and he won't say nothing he won't back down nothing my brother's the same way and his name you met him sam gilroy sure yes i did he he um he must have pushed you away from the table Cause I got a short of the stick, didn't I, Steve? He, he's a tall drink of water, as I'm we used to you. say. <laughs> it wasn't much messing with him. Oh, no, sir. I, I hear you. I hear. How much younger is he than you? He is 14 months younger. So he's, Oh, okay. He's 20. I'm 21. All right. All right. And David, David's been hunting with me since he was 14. He's 18 now. So, mm. so there are three uh, of you boys then. Yes, sir. Yes, right. sir. I tell you, I want to say something, Stephen. I don't mean to cut you off, but no, sir. a lot of people, a lot of people look at my Facebook page and think just Tom Gilroy, Tom Gilroy. There's a lot more to me and what I do than just my namesake. You know what I mean? It's just okay. there's more dogs and people involved than a lot of people give credit to. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's good that you that. that you recognize that. I just talked to Randy Smith, and of course, he's had a great deal of success breeding Walker dogs. But he's always very quick to to recognize the people that helped him, you know, to get to that point. Yep, yep, for so, sure. Um, what I was saying is, uh, I, I we done rambled off there, Steve, but we'll come back. Into we chased it. Uh, a rabbit. That we yes, call sir. that taking a rabbit path, but we'll get back to the main trail here. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, um, now everybody and their mama's done heard of this dog, Merchant's Tree Blaster. Oh, yeah. I hunted with so, his litter mate, uh, Nathan Ed's Zip dog. Uh, yeah. Zip female. Why don't Zip? Her. Yeah. She looked good. Tree dog. Uh, <laughs> of course, Tree Blaster was known for that. But don't you tell <laughs> the story. I'm, uh, this is your story. <laughs> so, I couldn't tell you who got the breedings off of blaster but they had collected him at some point in time before he passed Mm -hmm. and uh they did a breeding on a lipper female and and i don't have her papers on hand you know so i just know that she was lipper bred and i believe her grandfather or great-grandfather is bone collector but um 
So that is the dog we call Helen. And mm-hmm. if you go on my Facebook page, you'll see her up and down, left and right. She just trees and coons like she's supposed to, Steve. And uh, I got her about coming on two years ago now. Jeff Story, he lives in central Michigan. Um, he called me and said, hey, man, I got a female here. And, you know, some guys around there said she wouldn't do much. I said, okay, well, send her on, send her on down the road. So he, she was here the next week. She come in heat. And I couldn't hunt her for a month, so I laid her up. I took her out with a boy, uh, Donnie Davis's son, Cole Davis. He hunts with me right good, too. I took him out with her, with him, and uh, we were sitting there on the edge of old beaver pond. I mean, it's a big beaver pond. And uh, I said, man, we gonna, it's getting cold. Let's go ahead and head to your truck, take her somewhere else. And uh, about that time, we get up and turn her lights on. Helen just rolled up on a tree and started treeing. And I, and I said, whoa, hey, now. I look over to Cole and he said, man, she's doing some treeing. So we turn our lights on and I'll be danged, Steve, if there wasn't a coon up that tree sitting right next to us. She just pulled up and started treeing. <laughs> and uh, Bringing it home. I like those that treat close to the truck. I'm telling yeah. you, Steve. <laughs> it makes it easy, don't it? That's right. That's right. Well, let, let me jump in here real quick. You're Go on ahead. Facebook. They find you where? At Tom Gilroy? Yeah, so that's my personal page, and then I have a quote-unquote kennel page. Anybody can share into it. I, I, I'll invite or accept anybody who wants to be in it. I'm not prejudiced against any other color dog or, or style of dog, but my Facebook page is Yatkin River Coon Dogs. Okay, folks, that's spelled Y-A-D-K-I-N, River Coon dogs, right? Is coon yes, dogs sir. one word or two? It's one word. Okay, good. Good. Yep. And then your personal page is Tom T O M. Yes, sir. Gilroy G I L R O Y. Yes, sir. Okay. All right, folks, you wanna uh connect with Tom on social media, there you go. Well go right ahead now and tell us about Helen and, and the rest of the story. Yes, sir. So basically after that night you know, it, it was ups and downs just with, she wasn't but coming to and hadn't been messed with a lot. So it was more or less of a puppy in there. And, uh, you know, we had nights of ups and downs and, and not treeing coons or treeing possums or whatever have you, just not good nights in my opinion. And then we had great nights. And um, I went and visited my dad, my brother, me, and David Bailey went and visited Jimmy at the Grand American a few weeks ago or a month ago or so. And um, after I brought her back from that trip, boy, Steve, she was clicking. I mean, every tree you walked to, just about you were looking at a coon or a hole. And uh, she, I ain't told about this, but she had a vet problem. I took her to the vet two weeks ago and uh, got charged an arm and a leg to cut an abscess out of the back of her mouth where I was in there letting her tree on some coons and getting a video and she come down off the right side of that tree and caught a stick in the back of her throat. So, mm-hmm. yes, sir. I've been laying her up for about a week and a half now and giving her medicine every day. So she's looking a lot better, but I, that's why people haven't been seeing her recently. But I'm, I keep chasing them rabbits, Steve. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. That's the beauty of these podcasts, Tom. Yes, sir. You know, they're not rehearsed. There's no script. We just talk dogs, you know, and that's yes, what I love about it. So you go right ahead. So I got Helen going pretty good over the summertime, right before summer. And uh, 
I had them breedings off a of champ. And again, this isn't Jimmy's champ, just one we called champ. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I had her bred to him. I drove down to North Carolina at uh, Block Sport Hounds, and that lady will do you right, buddy. Um, okay, spell I, that for me, Tom, if you can. B-L-O-C-K-S-P-O-R-T, Hounds. And I believe the, name's, the lady's name is Kristen Block. Okay. And she's the real deal. I had, I had her artificially inseminated, and uh, two months later, she had 13 puppies, Steve. Wow. Yes, sir. 11 of them lived, but she had 13. And uh, if anybody gets on Facebook and follows me, you'll see the puppies out of her. I call him Yadkin River Virgil. Okay. And uh, he'd treat his first coon at six months and two days old by himself, not turned loose in the wild. Yeah. Well, you know, those Yadkin River dogs have such a, a rich history going back. Yes, and we've talked about it with Jimmy on this podcast before, you know, with uh, uh, old Tom and Jeff and Champ and Chico and all those dogs right on down the line there. And uh, it's such a strong family of dogs. And, of course, most people out there in the coonhound world that are not from North Carolina or that region of the country uh, probably best know Yadkin Tar Rattler uh, as, you know, being a Yadkin River dog. But, um, you know, where I come from in southern West Virginia, that was a staple, you know, a... a, uh, 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 by word, so to speak, in Kuna and Rosiakin okay. River dogs. I got you. And, I, and I'm going to give credit where it's due, Steve. Um, my father, David Gilroy, that joker pushed me harder than anybody could ever imagine. He put me through the roughest, toughest stuff and had a good hound to go behind him. So I want to give, before we get into a little too much detail, I want to give my dad a very warm thank you for uh putting me into this sport and showing me what a real coon dog could be because i wouldn't be here today without that well you know uh tom that's uh, and i appreciate that so much because that resonates with me uh i've been around this coon hunting game for a long time i started as you did as a young man probably around really seriously going with my dad on a regular basis at about six, seven years old, although I went the first time when I was three. But, you know, having a father as a mentor, as uh, someone that, you know, uh, most boys like to be with their dad. And, yeah. you know, and, and I, my heart goes out to guys out there that don't have a father that is, is, uh, involved in their life and involved in the things that they like to do. And I think we could look to a lot of social problems that we have in this country uh, without me getting up on the soapbox is (laughs) is due to the absence of a, of an engaged uh, father in that that boy's life, you know? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you were indeed blessed to have your dad. As I say, I've met him. I've never seen your father without a smile on his face. <laughs> he, he is one of the most pleasant, fun guys to to talk to. And when, when you walk up to a guy and you shake hands, and of course, he's, a, he's tall, too. I know where your brother gets that height. Yeah. But uh, 
you know, you just, you know, this, you immediately like the guy. And, and that's a lot to say to all coon hunters out there. Here I go. We're going to go down a rabbit path here, uh, Tom. You know, I think it was John Wick that wrote a column uh, oh, a year or so ago while he was still writing for American Coon, talking about why coon hunters never smile in a photograph. And they all, he said, man, you've won a bunch of money. You might have won a truck. You might have all this stuff, and you're standing up there like you lost your la- your best That's friend. That's right. Or you got this game face on. And, uh, you know, man, this coon hunting thing is a blast. It's a lot of I fun. I agree, Steve. Do you? <laughs> yes, sir. I smile in every picture, every single one. I know, and it's like some of these guys are, are just um, – you know, like that would be the cardinal sin if I smiled in this photograph. Yeah. I got to look as mean as I can. You know, <laughs> no, 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 no. And and but some people, you know, just haven't learned the value of a good smile. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It'll take you a long way. Uh, that is for sure. And, young man, that's one of the things I noticed about you right off. I said, well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree here because, uh, uh, you know, uh, I uh, I uh, always re- remember that, recognize that with, with your dad. But, you know, Tom, I'm, uh, and we can get back to these dogs, and I do want to talk to you more about them. But I I wanted to talk to you because you're a young man. You're 21 years old. Uh, I became married when I was 23. When I was okay. 21, I was uh, just out of college and getting ready to go into the to the military, um, and and all. But I was very much engaged in coon hunting at that time and really loved it and went every opportunity that I could. Uh, what is it? But beyond your family and your family's dogs, what is it that you find so attractive about coon hunting? It's a good question, Steve, and I really appreciate you asking me. Um, I would definitely say it's it's got to be that locate. You know, a dog can sit there and tree and tree and tree and tree, and the next one can do the same thing, but not every dog has a locate. And that Helen female I got, she's got a quadruple chop and then she rolls over into her tree bark, but it's the locate and it's more or less, you know, a lot of guys will tell you they like seeing them puppies come on and and do real good and stuff like that. But me personally, Steven, it might just be because I'm young and dumb, but I like seeing coons. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) oh yeah, (laughs) I, I like I like taking a puppy and, and seeing them do very well for themselves. And in time, they might make a good dog. But I like seeing them coons. And it's not because I like shooting them out or getting money from them or nothing. But I go to job, I go to work and get paid to do what I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? And I want that mm-hmm. dog to do the same thing. If I'm taking you to work, you're going to do what I want you to do. And that's tree coons. And that's just a personal preference for me. Um, you know, I like them to have a big mouth. And as you were saying, what what is it solely that that I can go back to and just think about and and uh, pinpoint one thing I I like about them dogs? Um, it's either got to be that locate or just how sheer big a a Yakin River Hound can be. I mean, it, it amazes me, Steve. It really does. <laughs> Look like Kane Corsos out there, man. Yeah, 
Yeah, they are uh, big dogs. Uh, a lot of a lot of stature there, substance to them for sure. And uh, I, as I've most people know, but maybe some of the guys that are just coming in sport may not realize that you know how much these Yadkin River dogs. Uh, played in the background of the Sackett oh, yes. Jr. dog you oh, know, yes. and, and uh, Frank Giddings' dogs. And you mentioned Frank. And of course, he's a dear friend of mine and and just absolutely always enjoyed uh, going up to Michigan and hunting with Frank yeah. and, and all. But, yeah, uh, well, you know, there there's something there that runs within the heart and soul of every houndsman. Uh, I think, and especially those who are kind of born into it, it seems. My mother yeah. used to say, it's in your blood. You, there's no hope for you. You know, you're, <laughs> no you're just you. like right. your dad, <laughs> she'd say. Mm. And that was, she was the one that coined that, uh, that phrase, gone, well, it was, it was a, typical phrase that people use for all kinds of things. But she used to tell my dad all the time when she'd look at all the dogs he had out back, you know, she'd say, we've gone to the dogs. You wow. Know? And that's where I got the the title for my book and the title for this podcast. But truly I did at a very early age, as did you. And it's just something really that's down deep inside us, isn't it? And it, and it makes you different, Steve. You know, a lot of people I talk to that are, are older than me, they'll say, man, why aren't you out drinking? Why aren't you out partying and, and enjoying your life? And I just sit back and tell them, you know, man, it, it makes me different. I don't want to be out there wasting my life away drinking and, and, and doing stupid stuff when I can make a name for myself. And, and I'm not looking at coon hunting as a career or nothing like that, but being able to have a dog that'll go tree coons and you get to come home and look forward to that, there is nothing in this world that can compare to looking forward to going and treeing a coon. In my personal opinion, you know, everybody's different, but I like going coon hunting, Steve. I really do, man. Well, it showed from the first time that I spoke with you, and then I've I followed you since then in social Thank media. You, Steve. Yeah, well, you're welcome, and and it shows it really does. And for those of us who really down deep love it, you know, uh, there's just sometimes it's very hard to describe, but it's Indeed. a feeling that r- exists inside of us. And and you touched on something there that resonated with me. You said, you know, make a name for yourself. It's not about maybe winning the most world titles or winning the most new trucks like Randy Smith just did and John uh, Strickland. Uh, but it's in having the reckon, recognition among our peers, that we are houndsmen. We know the sport. Uh, we walk the walk. We talk the talk. Yes, sir. Uh, and, and there's just a good feeling to be part of that. I, want, I, want, I don't want to say fraternity because there's a lot of women that feel the same way. Um, but, you know, there's, there's just something, a sense of pride and yes. uh, being involved. In, you know, I could go into this on so many levels. I can remember as a kid just getting my first pair of Carhartt overalls, which is what we 
war back in the day when I started coon hunting. That was your trademark as a coon hunter. If you had a pair of brown duck Carhartt overalls. Now, John Wick kind of spoiled all that when he came along and made those nylon bibs and and then the frog legs and all that stuff. But there was just all that, that sense of belonging, of identifying with the sport. Do you feel that too? Oh, and no doubt, Steve. I'm t- like I said earlier, it makes people look at you differently. Like, man, what does that joker go through every night going to them dogs, you know? And they get to just go home and go to sleep and get up to work in the morning. We're <laughs> out there four or five hours a night putting work in on them dogs. And I want to touch on something, Steve. I listened to that uh, Pup Training for Dummies podcast you yes. did with Bill. And uh, I want to say, um, when you said that as a whole – training these dogs we really don't do a lot of training and i want to i want to commend you on that steve and say that has got to be the most truthful statement i've ever heard as far as training a puppy because like you said we'll do you know stuff here around the house like leading loading you know tone breaking and stuff like that but as far as putting them on a raccoon we cannot run that raccoon for them they have to do that on themselves so they're teaching yeah. themselves more than we ever could so i want to commend you on saying that that was a very good statement well i appreciate that tom but i've always felt that way you know you as i mentioned i think on that podcast we look at bird dog trainers we look at various other trainers of working breeds and they kind of have a protocol they go through and i've met the great bird dog trainer from Oklahoma, Delmar Smith, and and how he used force training uh, for retrieval and and those kind of things. And there's a lot of lot of hands on training in some of these dogs. And my friend Heath Hyatt with his police dog work and all of that. But you know the genetics. You know allowing, uh, providing the opportunity for that dog to do what God and genetics put into him is our responsibility. And I think the main responsibility we have as, as stewards of these dogs is to take them out there where they can shine, where they can do what they were intended to do. Say that again, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Preach it, as they'd say, back home in the hills. Yeah, well, I believe that and always have, and uh, there's no substitute. And this is for the new hunter out there. You know, you can go and buy that uh, well-bred puppy, and you can do your homework and and, and, uh, uh, talk to a lot of people and read the reviews on the pups and all that stuff. But there's no substitute for you getting out there in the dark every opportunity with that dog. And... uh, and let nature take its course. Sometimes I think to this point, Tom, and I've gotten into a, a, this a lot since I've been podcasting, and that you get a lot of questions. So then you're expected to answer the questions, and you're supposed to provide methods. And you're, mm. you know, why is my dog leaving the tree? Well, if you'll do step A, B, and C, you know. I got you. But sometimes I have to check myself and I'd say, well, wait a minute now, you know, you, 
you got to make sure that these are tested and true methods that you believe in before you throw them out there for somebody. And uh, I have found, and and I go through this with my partner, Keston Jesse. Keston is a young hunter, uh, has not yet gotten involved in uh, competition hunting, and he catches a lot of flack from my other other partner, uh, Mark Miller, about the fact that he's not out there competition hunting his dogs. But, I'm not either, man. Right, right. And you don't have to. I will throw that in. But, you know, a lot of questions come back. And I tell Keston, I say, you know what? We just really need to uh, take a time out here with this pup. Just let that pup go be a pup, you know, yep. until yep. those genetics – kick in and then when they do and then when the dog is running and treeing and doing it consistently then we'll address issues you know if we we have things we need to to address with that puppy but there's just no uh substitute for hunting them and letting them do what they were bred to do what do you think i can't agree more steve and you know there's some places that have more coons than others and it's easier like you go to Michigan, man, you got to, I, I think Jeff Story said it best. Um, he said, man, we got so much coons, you got to kick them out of the ditch and throw the dogs in there after them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, in a place like that, it's going to be, it's bound to be easier to get a pup started. And oh, going it, it is. I can testify. Yes. So, so what we deal with down here, we live on swamps. We hunt mm. nothing but swamps. So, yeah. um, you're on now the eastern have, seaboard there. Do you have any salt marsh uh, in that area, or are you? Is it freshwater or saltwater? Up in the eastern part, it's called Eastern Shore. That right. they have some salt marshes there, I believe. Mm-hmm. But down where we live at, it's completely freshwater. And I and I didn't mean to say we we only hunt in swamps. We nine out of ten times we're turning loose on the edge of a swamp. Now, the other mm-hmm. one time, it might be on a little field or something, but it's it's going to end up in a swamp somewhere. So, uh, best thing that we can do, and, and I recall, I can't necessarily recall the guy's name that was on your podcast with you and Billy about the pups. Um, he said something that I liked. He said he'd walk them puppies around them ponds. That's the yeah. same thing you do, Steve. That is the best way to get a pup going is walk them around that pond. You know how many animals come there and feed and drink, and especially them raccoons, man. That is the best thing for them. Coons so I, and I, water go together. Yes, sir. Like, you bet. I, so with what you were saying, Steve, I utterly agree with whatever with what you had to say. I am all for it. Yeah. All for it. Man. Well, I appreciate that, and we, we hope. That, you know, my biggest fear here is that I will give somebody the wrong information. You know, I don't want to tell somebody something that'll end up, you know, uh, spoiling a nice pup, you know, or spoiling uh, the experience for the owner or the guy that's hunting. So I try to weigh that kind of thing very carefully, and I also try to to be sure that I get guests to come on this podcast that are grounded, you know, that yeah. that are not just going to be throwing out some fly-by-night ideas out there. Yeah. And, uh, I call them the ride the lightning crowd, you know, whatever. Right. You can you can follow a, th- a message thread on Facebook and, and, you know, it's either, you know, call the dog, 
yep. or give him a, a number 18 you know yeah. uh, on the on the Garmin so we we try to call the those out before uh and not spread that kind of information well yep. okay let's talk about a little bit what, how you approach that um that puppy when you do decide to take him out to the woods for the first time what about how old are you starting to hunt your pups okay so just as any anybody else should be doing, um, show the puppies at about eight weeks to about 12 weeks, you know, a coon or a squirrel or, or something just to get them in the idea of what we're going to be doing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And um, after about 12, 13 weeks old, I'll start hauling them to the woods and they can't even get up on the back of the tailgate. Then they can't even put their paws up there. So you lift them up, you put them in a dog box and it could be with their mama. It could be with any broke dog. I do not want a dog in there running deer, running foxes, running trash, and my puppy's in there learning from that. It has got to be a broke dog. Mm-hmm. And um, I will take them with that dog three or four nights, and then I'll take him or her by itself three or four nights. Mm-hmm. And if I see that it's doing better with the older dog, or if I see it's doing better on its own, I'll go either way. But now for the people who don't have an older dog and can't get out there and hunt with a broke dog, you know, your buddy might have one, but it ain't broke. And you don't want your puppy to get ruined on that. Just as I said earlier, and as you said, Steve, I think you you put it perfect. There is absolutely whatsoever no substitute other than getting out in them woods and walking that puppy around. You can be tired. You can be just having a bad day at work. The wife's getting on you. The dogs aren't looking good. Take that puppy in the woods at nighttime. And it might be 18 months old before he even does anything, but that's just how a dog works. I'm I'm no, you know, I, I consider myself a late bloomer, you know, as far as, as mm-hmm. everything in the world. You know, I ain't got a great job and, and all that, but I make do. And, and that's just what you have to do with them puppies, Steve. And you know it. You've raised countless puppies and litters and stuff and, and uh a lot of them guys, they'll find an excuse. And when you find an excuse, you ain't going to get nothing done. Well, that's right. Well, you know, that's why I was so blessed with these two partners that I have, especially at this stage in my life, where I've had to slow down some. Now, I don't I ever want to portray the idea that I'm in a wheelchair and can't go to the woods. No, I can go. I can go get my dog, but I just don't do it at the speed or with the energy that I used to. But I was so blessed to have guys like Keston Jesse, who was the guy that uh, we talked about on this uh, uh, pup training for dummies, and and uh, with Mark Miller, who Mark is a a seasoned, accomplished uh, hunter he just had his uh, hardwood dreamer dog uh, okay. inducted into the to the southeastern tree and walker hall of fame congratulations but, yeah absolutely guy i meant to say that at the first of this uh podcast congratulations for sure yes, to sir. my buddy and uh, uh he was a dog i believe out of hardwood bean was his sire wow. and, and uh big black-headed dog beautiful walker dog but anyway uh these guys, you know, hunt. They hunt the dogs. They're out there with them. And, you yep. know, as you're talking there, Tom, you know, we have a pup right now. Uh, the beaver dog, right? Well, actually, well, we, yeah, Mark and I have the plot dog together, the fever okay. dog, and he's 16 months old and he's doing really well. Oh, now, I know. That old pup, he, 
he's just I, I've never seen a dog more energetic I'm you know just determination whatever yeah. you put him down to do man he's all in you know man. and if he if it's swimming a swim pond he looks over his shoulder he sees another dog coming he grabs another gear you know wow. he just he's just That's very hard to be Danny Steve. yeah and he's very competitive but he doesn't when you turn him loose at night he doesn't care what the other dogs are doing he'll if they wow. go east he'll go west you know but but this pup that Keston Jesse and I have she's now six months old she's a walker out of the Frogger dog and one okay. of Randy Smith's okay. females, Jillian. And she's the huntingest little heifer you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I mean, she goes hunting. In fact, before she was old enough to wear a tracking collar, we got concerned that she's, you know, there's coyotes and all this stuff yep. out there. That This pup. But, but, yep. but um, you know, she's, she's not burning the woods up tr- tree and coons. You know, she's... Uh, she will tree, and she'll tree on a drag. And last night, uh, the Clyde dog of his uh, treed a coon in a big cedar thicket. And, uh, of course, I got to FaceTime with uh, Keston. And uh, let me get a sip of water here just a second. Yes, sir. And if you wouldn't mind, Steve, touching on how old that female is. Because I have a male that's six months he's seven months now and he's done tree two coons by himself but a lot of people they get discouraged when they see them young pups treeing coons rather than other pups not doing it so touch on that how old that female is and let people know you know she's not out there treeing coons every single night she's just getting started and that's good well yeah and you know we had one pup out of the Trackman dog that okay she just basically did not have any hunt in her I got she you. was a natural tree dog, and her litter mates are doing great. But you know, we just didn't get the lucky, uh, yeah, lucky pill <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, that's right. She just and she's making a squirrel hunter real happy right now. Good. But this puppy out of Frogger and Lone Pine Jillian, she's going to make a dog. There's no question in my mind that she will. But she's definitely not, and she's six months old to answer your question right now. So she's still pretty young. But you do hear these, as you mentioned, you know, uh, your pup there that was doing it at a younger age than that. And and, uh, I believe you did, didn't you? Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, but, you know, we have these conversations about her, and and she, uh, I was telling this story. uh, uh, Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, no. Clyde, the the Kestens, uh, I think Clyde's about 18 months old now. Roughly, okay. and he, I call him the coon vending machine. I mean, when you turn him loose, just put your money in, the coon's going to come out, you know, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Who knows where? That's, <laughs> That's right. The key. That's right. But anyway, uh, Clyde treed in a big uh, cedar thicket last night, and uh, Keston uh, called me and he said, you know, I don't know whether he's got this coon or not. I can't seem to find it. And I said, well, of course, I'm always coaching him. I said, well, get out there and swing around in that field and, and see. You'll you'll find that coon if you shine back in there enough and check. And sure enough, he said, well, there he is. Wow. And uh, so he, he left him sit. But the female, that he pulled out of there and left. Well, she had been off hunting somewhere. 
and gone for a good long while. And she came into that area after he had gone. And she stayed up in there for, I don't know, for 20 minutes or so, around and around in that thicket, checking, checking, checking. She never could find a place to tree. But she was forevermore working that coon track around in that cedar thicket, you know. And finally she gave it up and come on back, came and and caught up with him at the truck. But that's just an example, I think, of letting those pups do their thing, you know, but make sure you take them out there and give them a chance. Yep. And you said something, Steve, I kind of want to go back and reiterate on it. Uh, you said that she didn't she didn't run the track or or you know find any place to tree and a lot of guys will think well man my dog didn't say nothing and didn't do nothing we must have had a bad night but you said something that caught my my attention you said she went in there with nobody else being there or or you know around that area and for her to just have enough confidence and and ability to go in there where that dog was treeing and no and the human being knows there's a coon in there at that age, that is sheer progress, in my opinion. She may not have treed, she may not have ran nothing, but she smelled where that coon was. Oh yeah, so I, I, I like that about yeah. the, about. Oh, her. it was definitely holding her attention for a good That's long right. while, you know. And uh, but uh, she'll she'll be fine. I, I have every confidence. She certainly isn't lazy. <laughs> yep. That's for sure. Well, what's your um? Uh, what's your plans going forward? Uh, what you got going on right now? What dogs, if you go tonight, what are you taking? What's going on? Yes, sir. So I, I don't want him to be mad at me for saying it too soon or anything like that. But uh, I got a puppy back from Jimmy Meeks. And, and I want to say before I get into this that Jimmy Meeks is, if you ever get the opportunity to talk to him or meet him, and I'm not speaking to you, Steve, the, the listeners, if anybody ever got a chance to meet or talk to Jimmy Meeks, please do it. He I will agree. Have oh, man, he is a real nice guy, and and I think he probably – he's the reason that we even have Yak River Dogs, the Gilroy family, you know. I mean, we had dogs, but we bred them to Jimmy's, and that's where we got ours. So I'm going to give credit where it's due again. Jimmy Meeks, you are the man, buddy, and thank you for uh, – for creating this bloodline, but I'm going to get back to, uh, uh, saying, so I got a puppy back from Jimmy and, uh, it's the biggest puppy in the whole litter. I call him Kane and his litter mate brother. I call him Virgil. And as you know, uh, the night they drove old Dixie down, you know, oh, yeah. Virgil Kane is the name. Yes, sir. That's, that's where right. I got it. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Great yep, song. So, Great. Song. Yes, sir. So tonight, I ain't too sure. I might take that little puppy I got, Virgil, and uh, he treed one last night by himself. Um, I, I said in the, earlier in the podcast that Helen had that that abscess in the back of her mouth there from that stick, so I'm still laying her up for another week or two. So more than likely, Steve, it'll be that little little male puppy I call Virgil. And how and, old is uh, he now, Tom? He is seven months and three days old. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, so... Um, but as you were saying where I kind of want to go with this, um, main thing I want to see out of the Yakin River of today's world is calico ears. Everybody's done gotten away from that. I don't know what happened or why they stopped liking it, but I've always loved a calico ear walker. 
Now, did the Tidewater Jeff uh, or Tidewater Shep dog, uh, Powers's dog, did he have calico ears? To be honest with you, Steve, that was way before my that time. That was Billy Wolf, I think. Billy Wolf. Okay. That had that dog. Boy, I tell you what, I'm peeling back the layers of this old onion here, and, <laughs> and sometimes I, I get a, I get a, a brown piece. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All but it, anyway, I don't know. I think, uh, uh, but uh, so yeah, the calico ear dog is something that you used to see fairly. Yes. Uh, Often, and I think maybe some of that, you know, came down through uh, maybe not the same strain, but the the uh, old uh, you know stylish queen female, okay, and back of the whitey bread dogs, stylish clover dogs, and all they had some of that as well, and that that goes all the way back to the old foxhounds, yeah, you know, yep. some of the Julys and and some of that, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you kind of like you want to dip back and and get some yes. of that history oh in your dogs, huh? If if I could now, I like Jimmy's dog Chico, and I just like the way he treated. I got videos of him that Jimmy had videoed way back in the nineties, I believe it was. And if I could build a dog today, and I mean, just out of nothingness, out of Yakin River, I guess you could consider. I mean, nothingness would be just create one out of thin air if i could do that i we had a female here that was off of my dad's cruiser dog her name was jackson river polly she had calico ears and i'm talking about the brightest red head i've ever seen and just white and just beautiful just big bone big body big head and a calico ear and um that's really what i want to get back to steve is them big boned white calico big mouth ear dogs that's that's what i want man that's that's my goal well you know that type of dog and the bigger dogs and of course jimmy hunted you know for years there in the in that all that water there in north carolina and the bigger dogs like that have always seemed to to do better in the swamps yeah and you mentioned that you hunt in swamps now in the mountains where i grew up where it was real steep terrain and all the smaller dog the 55 pound dog the wiry light on his feet type dog seemed to excel so these different uh types of dogs uh you know were developed in different parts of the country Uh, yeah so uh uh, you're going to find that most of the bigger dogs and then of course you could uh also say the dogs out in the extreme west on the very dry ground out there some of those dogs were large dogs as well that were used for dry land or dry ground lion hunting uh and of course the nose went with those dogs yes uh, and i don't know where they had bloodhound roots they certainly had some old line blue tick uh had to be something. Uh, English-type dogs, you know. But, yeah, well, I get that. Well, you know, the point there to be made is that you have a goal and and put that goal out in front of your, uh, of your dogs and say, this is what I want to breed to. Yep. These are the points. You know, I know you want ability first. 
ahead of that. Uh, I'm having a lot of trouble here with my voice, Tom. Help me out. Yes, sir. So, yeah, I just want to touch base back, you know, like a lot of guys, they see them dogs that are that are treeing coons at four, five, six, seven months old, eight, even up to eight months old. And they said, oh, I got a six-month-old here, and it won't even bark at a cage coon or let alone run a drag. So I just want to talk to the listeners and say, please do not get discouraged when a young puppy isn't doing anything. And that's not saying it'll be something or it won't be something. But you have got to, as Steve said, you have got to put that time in. There is nothing in this world that is going to make that dog better than you taking him to the woods. It ain't got to be every night, and you don't have to hunt nine, ten turnouts. I hunt a minimal of three turnouts a night, and sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, depending on what the dog does. So just just take them, them you know, small steps of improvement for for what they are and, and keep that in the woods. It might, it might take a long time and you might not want to deal with it, but I, <laughs> I tell you, there's a lot, there's a lot of people, Steve, that just give up on dogs too early. Well, that's, of, yeah, that's, go ahead, go ahead. no, no, that's been, uh, um, an age old thing, Tom, with people that just don't have the patience to let the dog pup develop, uh, or, you know, maybe it's the idea, well, I'll try that one. If it didn't suit me, you know, I'll uh, I'll grab another one. I'll grab another one. I knew some guys. I still oh, know yeah. these guys, and I could mention their names, and I respect them. They're hard hunters, or they were back in their day. And, uh, you know, they would go through a tremendous number of dogs, uh, culling, yep. culling, culling, you know. They didn't have time. If the dog didn't show it right away, Get rid of it and get something else, you know. Uh, I don't think we have that luxury today. Um, you know, there aren't as many hunters. There certainly are puppies being bred every day, but I think our chances of getting a good-blooded pup are a lot better today than they were at any point in history. I know some of the old-timers may not agree with that, but I believe that there are a lot of good-blooded pups out there available, but there are no shortcuts to developing nope. that puppy into a coon dog all. that you can be uh, you know, proud of. And you could learn that the easy way or the hard way, whichever way you want to take. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah. The school of hard, the old thing, the old saying I liked. I thought it was funny. If you want to be, if you're going to be stupid, you got to be tough. Well, <laughs> you know, we can be kind of stupid about these dogs sometimes. Yes, sir. You no know, doubt. Uh, that electronic collar is a is a wonderful device at times, yeah. but you know when a guy uses it to come for the dog to come here, and then he uses it again to make the dog go, go hunting, and then the dog's caught in the middle, knowing what does he want me to do? Yep. Does he want me to He's come confused. here or go yonder? You yeah. know, and the dog doesn't know when you push that button. There's no message that goes along with it that says yep. the reason I am shocking you is because you came in off that track. Yep. No, the dog's nope. not going to understand that. And nope. They're not it, like us, Steve. They don't got uh, a brain like us. They really they really don't, but they are a very smart animal. It's yes. something that we're very much uh, uh, appreciative of. Yeah, we, are, we appreciate them, and we also are very blessed to have them in our lives. Tom, 
We have yes, been sir. at this almost, well, about 55 minutes now. And I thought an hour would be because we are sharing this podcast this month, uh, this week with with Randy Smith. With, uh, and uh, I, I just want to, anything on your on your mind, on your heart that you thought we would talk about or you, you would like to talk about, it's, it's, we've got plenty of time for you to do that. So. I just want to thank you first and foremost, Steve, for giving me this opportunity to come on your podcast. I know you have a well reputation and uh, for you to reach out to me and, and want to do a podcast with me, that means the world to me. So I just want to thank you for that. And I, and I also want to, uh, um, I've said it four or five times, but give credit where it's due. All these guys that talk to me, give me calls like Ed Hammond, Chuck Fonville, David Knight. I could go on and on and on and on. Scott Tilson, just Danny Parrish. You know what I mean? Just go on and on. Just there's a lot of guys that, that support me and what I do. And I just want to give them a big shout out for always, you know, liking and commenting and sharing and, and seeing what I'm up to, you know, I, I think a lot of them guys, they see how young I am and it, and it puts a fire in them that they put in me when I was a little kid. Jimmy Meeks lit a fire underneath me when I was six <laughs> years old that nobody could put out. So, yeah. you know, I like that. I do, man. I like hearing the, the seasoned hunters, you know, commend me for what we're doing. And, and it feels good, Steve. So I just that's all I want to talk about. Just just give thanks to everybody, really. Well, Tom, you're that kind of guy, and that's what attracted me to you uh, to bring you on the podcast here, and uh, and and because I think you have a lot to say, and there are young hunters like you across the country that yes, have sir. a lot to say, and it really behooves the old guys like me and and my contemporaries to listen to what you guys have to say because you have the sport now. We've handed, we've passed the baton to you. Uh, we may not have quit, but yes. if the sport's to go forward and to progress at all, it has to be at the hands uh, and those strong legs of young fellows like you <laughs> that are able to get out there and and continue to develop these great breeds of dogs and, and continue with the sport. It's not going to be easy going forward yep. as we experience, uh, you know, uh, shrinkage in hunting lands and, and oh, yeah. attitudes of anti-hunters and yes, and, and landowners and all of that. So we have a, a job to do. But, you know, here's the way I feel about that. Yes, we can do a podcast every week and talk about the game laws and talk about the anti-hunters and we can talk about the the things we face and how we ought to be more involved legislatively and how we ought to do this and how we ought to do that. But unless that fire for coon hunting that you and I have talked about on this podcast is instilled in the hearts and minds of these younger fresher, stronger hunters, unless we get that seed planted down there deep where it'll grow and it will flourish, 
then the sport will die no matter how many state houses we go to, how many senators we talk to, how many landowners or, 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 or farm bureaus or whatever. And that's all important. I'm not, I'm not uh, belittling that at all. But unless we create a love, a genuine love, way down deep in the hearts of, of younger hunters, uh, yes, sir. Then the sport will go away, and I got a pretty good feeling that you're you've got it down deep. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm trying, Steve. I'm trying, man. And uh, I also wanted to touch base. You, you say a lot about younger hunters. My great uncle Gordon Gilroy, he sadly passed away in 2005 in an unexpected car accident. And right, uh, yeah, he had three Real children. Tragedy. Yes, sir. Yep. And, and a lot of people, you know, reached out to my dad and, and our extended family and, and send their condolences. So thanks, everybody, for that. I was only four, so I I don't remember much then, but I do know he was a hard hunter and is the reason that Maryland and where we're at has Yakin River Dogs. So. Um, but his grandson, his name is Ty Willett. He is 10 or 11 now. I, I can't be two for certain, but I know he's one of them, too. And uh, he's been going hunting with me. He's he's loving it, man. He loves them white yak and river dogs, and he he loves the same thing I do. Hearing them locates roll out. He said, "Man, what's that?" I said, "That's a locate." <laughs> well, know, now really, you'd run him out of the family if he didn't love the yak and river dog, wouldn't you? <laughs> that's right. You know it, Steve. You know it. <laughs> Go ahead, that's Tom. Right. But y'all, no, you're good, Steve. I just I just wanted to to. I doubt he even has a phone or is able to listen to this, but. Ty Willett, you are a hard hunting son of a gun, and I can't wait for you to grow up and get yourself a hound. There you go. Pass so, it on. You know, yes, it's sir. a heritage that's been passed on through the generations. I mentioned somebody on Facebook was talking about hound hunting, and that wasn't a hound hunter. And I said, you know, it goes back to George Washington in this country and beyond. Yeah. Uh, you know, farther back even than that. So it's been a tradition down through the years and it passed on. And, and thankfully, it's still going on. Well, Tom Gilroy, you have been a great guest today. Uh, it's been a terrific hour. It went real fast. Yes, and, it did. Yeah. And, and I want to get a... Uh, I promise from you that you'll come back on because I want to hear about the progress of uh, uh, Virgil and uh, yes, what's the other one's name, the pup? Uh, I call his brother Cain. Cain, okay. Yep. I heard of Cain and Abel, but Cain and Virgil, that's, an <laughs> that's good. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, young man, I appreciate you so much. I hope you'll say hello to your dad and your brothers for me. If you're talking to the old wild man down there in North Carolina, tell him yes, to give me, give me a call now and then. Just let me know how he's getting along. And uh, listeners, uh, I've really enjoyed this uh, hour with Tom Gilroy, and I know you have too. And and I hope you'll check him out on Facebook, Tom Gilroy, or Yadkin River Coon Dogs on Facebook. Yes, sir. Is that right, Tom? Yes, sir, Steve. You got it. All right, brother. Well, you have a great time. Get out there in those uh, Maryland swamps tonight. Get Listen for that locate now. Yes, sir. I got you, Steve. <laughs> okay, Tom. It's great to visit with you. You have a good one, buddy. Y you too, Steve. Thanks again. Bye. Yes. Bye.
Friends, that's going to end our podcast for today. I appreciate so much uh, you tuning in. Once again, I want to thank our dear friends, uh, Buddy Woodbury, Jason Doobie, all the staff at duhuntingsupply.com. Uh, Actually, dusupply.com is the uh, web address. These guys have got everything and anything that you may need associated with your hounds and hound hunting uh give them a try you'll you'll be glad that you did i will say that i still have copies of gone to the dogs a coon hunter's journey the book i wrote about my experiences over the years uh, with three different registries and all the coon hunting that has been involved uh dating back these uh, 76 years now. So at any rate, uh, you can get those. And I also have a few of the uh, Gone to the Dogs trucker-style hats in black or green, uh, and they can be found at stevefielderbooks.com. That's going to wrap it up this week, folks. If someone asks you where's Steve Fielder, tell him, well, you know, he may be up there with Tom Gilroy in those Maryland swamps, but one thing's for sure, he's gone to the dogs. <laughs>